Okay, Grandma, thank you for chatting with me tonight. You are on a special recording of The Speech Guys, where our speech is going to be talking about Franklin Roosevelt's first fireside um, talk on the banking crisis. So, Grandma, I'm going to mostly just let you talk. And to kind of start things off, will you introduce yourself and include your birthday and how old you were at the start of the Great Depression and the end of the Great Depression, roughly, which is roughly 1933 to 1941, we'll say. Well, my name is Audrey Tonoco. And uh, at the beginning of the Depression, I guess I was about, as far as I can remember, about eight years old. So the B, 1930, you were born in 1926, right? Right. Right. So for, oh yeah, okay, seven, seven and a half, right, at the start of the Depression. Yep. <laughs> well, what I remember during the Depression? Well, I was just getting the age clarified there. And so in 1941, when people kind of say the Depression ended, how old were you when Pearl Harbor was bombed? When Pearl Harbor was bombed, mm -hmm. uh, at that time, I guess I was about 16. Mm -hmm. What do you remember about Pearl Harbor being bombed? Well, I was in the living room with my mother and uh, her couple of daughters mm -hmm. when that was bombed. And uh, so we, we had some GIs from Scott Field there mm -hmm. that night. My sister had worked with her at the field, and uh, well, we were just stunned. And we start saying a prayer because there was so many boys being in that war. Right. Yeah. At Pearl Harbor. Were you expecting the United States to go to war as soon as that happened? Well, they were kind of. Draft, they were drafting the boards then. Already? You mean... Oh, yeah. Huh. They were drafting the boys. So they were... Uh, and the boat was was bombed. Right, yeah. And there were uh, boys from Belleville. And a, a priest, Father Drone, mm -hmm. was one of them that uh, they captured. And there was a, a boy by the name of Cooney which was in the uh, service of some kind. And so he was killed in that. And he belonged to the same church I belonged to. St. Mary's. Huh. Yeah. That priest that you mentioned, he was captured. Uh, on the, on the, in the Philippines. Oh, I see. He was okay. in Lake. Yeah. And he was from Belleville. Uh-huh. Father Drone. Yeah. And later on, I learned that uh, they had killed him. Oh, goodness. Do you know how long he was a POW before he was killed? No, I don't. Hmm. Wow. Like at that time, I was, oh, I guess I was about 15 then. Right, yeah. Okay. Going back to the start of the Great Depression, um, 
Can you tell our audience how many older siblings you had, where you were at in the line in terms of oldest to youngest? Well, I had um, two, let me see, I had two, two older sisters and I had uh, two older brothers than me. Mm-hmm. And then I had a younger sister. There were six of us children mm-hmm. in the family. Right. And so, before you know it, they would start drafting. But my one brother, uh, when he was 17, he was killed in an accident at home. Right. But uh, my other brother, Arnold, when he, as soon as he turned to 21, they start drafting them. Was Uncle Arnold excited to go no. to the war? No. Was he scared? What was his emotions like? He just wasn't happy about it. Yeah. But at that time, every time you turned 21, you had to sign up mm-hmm. for the service. Right. And uh, so he had signed up. And my brother-in-law, Leroy, my oldest sister's husband, he had to sign up. Mm-hmm. And so those two were in the service right away. Right. Um, we forgot to announce for our audience your birthday. I know 1926, we said the year you were born. I know it was May. Yeah. May 27th? May 26th, oh, 1926. There we go, for our audience, just to get that down paper, which makes you almost 95 and a half, for those not doing the math quickly. And she's a spry 95 and a half, just, just for our audience to know. So, oh, thank you. <laughs> so uh, during the Great Depression, you were about the ages of 8 to 15 or 16, yeah. What, what what sort of memories do you have from the eight to ten year range? What was school like for you? Well, it was just regular grade school. I went to St. Mary's Catholic School, and it was just a regular uh, grade school. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> what did you eat for breakfast? What did you eat for lunch? What were your meals like on around that age? Well, we had the uh, cornflakes. They're cornflakes or cream of wheat, but most of the time it was cornflakes. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd have just enough milk that we could put in our cornflakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad only made $12 a week, and there were eight of us. There were six kids and my mom and dad. And mom made all our, our clothes. And did all her darning, and uh, and Dad would, my dad would uh, fix our shoes and stuff like that. And uh, mm-hmm. there was uh, at the dime store, you got a a, 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 a sole that you could glue onto your shoe at the bottom, and. Uh, well, fortunate, unfortunately, it didn't stick very good. Mm-hmm. So the hole in the bottom would be about as big as a half a dollar in <laughs> our shoes. Yeah. So we take several layers of newspaper and fold them 
And but but if it rained by the time we got to school, <laughs> our feet were soaking wet. Even if it didn't rain, I can't imagine newspaper lasting very long. <laughs> it didn't. Yeah. It was just uh, by the concrete, it would right. wear a hole. But. Mm -hmm. So remind me what your dad did for a living. My father? Mm -hmm. uh, well, before I was born, he was a coal miner. But after I was born, uh, he quit the coal mining and worked for my uncle. Fred mm -hmm. and my dad with all the coal and ice right. on the truck. And they had only made twelve dollars a week then. Coal mining was a pretty big industry or job around here. Right? Well at that time, but it at was also time, yeah. dangerous. Right. Yeah. It didn't have all the safety factors it's got now. Do you know if any of your dad's co-workers died or got hurt in any coal mining accidents? I don't know. It was more or less a family thing. Uh, my great-grandpa and all of them, they worked in the mines. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if anybody ever got killed or anything. Yeah. But uh, when uh, my sister Thelma was uh, born and growing up, that's when my dad decided to quit. Right. Mm -hmm. so, so your mom stayed at home and made a lot of the clothing. She made all our clothing and uh, all our underwear mm -hmm. and uh, patched all our socks and darned them. Mm -hmm. um, but you said we were talking on the phone earlier uh, in the week. And we were talking about, remember, Grandma, that I know a lot of this stuff, but for our audience, we're filling in, filling in, filling in different things. But she did work sometimes. She worked for the elections. My mother did. At least once, several times. I only worked once for him. Mm -hmm. But my mother used to work every election because uh, it was extra money. And then the, when Roosevelt decided to run a third term, my mother wouldn't work for him because she said no man's worth the third term. Right. Yeah. Um, and we were trying to remember the other day who Roosevelt would have run against for his third term that she might have voted for, but no, no, don't remember. <laughs> um, any other jobs that your mom had other than working elections? Well, if there were um, coupons to be de delivered to homes on different samples, they were uh, advertising and they'd have coupons. Well, my mom would work to uh, deliver the coupons and like if it was a bar of soap, bar of soap to the homes. Mm -hmm. And it was extra money because uh, $12 with a family of eight. Yeah, know. that's crazy. I should see what that is adjusted for inflation, $12 per week. Yeah. What was the neighborhood like where you grew up? It was a nice neighborhood. People kept their yards nice, mm -hmm. and uh, well, the, they let they let the dogs and cats run loose. And my mother could not stand cats. <laughs> Were there a lot of like? Would you basically say wild dogs and cats? That no, no, okay, yeah, just a lot. Neighbors next door, neighbors behind her, neighbors across the street. 
they all have a cat. It's sort of surprising during this time, right? Because it's the depression and an animal, a pet costs money to feed, or I guess they just fed them gar garbage. Or they... There was no such thing as a, a cat food. Right, no. yeah. You just fed them right from the table. Yeah. You guys never had any pet growing up, did you? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. What was his name? Buster. That's right. That sounds familiar. Yeah. And, uh, he would just eat from the table. Mm hmm. There was no such thing as dog food. Yeah. People couldn't afford that kind of stuff. So, what was, did you think of yourselves as middle class? Like, like, to what extent were you aware that the United States was in the midst of this depression? I wasn't aware of it because mm -hmm. I, I never really uh, understood all that. Because my mother always, well, she always made our bread mm -hmm. and uh, and our food. So uh, my mother managed very good, very well. Right. You know, so. Hmm. Um, and your dad, so unemployment in the United States was, I think, 26% at its highest during this time. And you said that your dad switched jobs from coal mining to delivery guy for coal and ice. But he was never unemployed during the Depression, right? My dad was never unemployed. Right. Hmm. Gotcha. Because he Work for my own. Right. Mm -hmm. But like I said, 12 hours a week for eight people. But my mother was a very good manager. I mean, uh, she would can our food. She would make our bread. She would uh, mend our, make all our clothes, including our underwear. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we always seemed like we had. When you were growing up, were you, because I'd imagine that St. Mary's, there was a pretty big mix of like rich kids, poor kids in well, between. There was no rich kids. Mm -hmm. They were better off than I was. Yeah. But it never really, uh, like, uh, the, I guess I shouldn't mention people's names. <laughs> yeah, probably not. But, um, <laughs> the one person uh, owned his own business. And, uh, so naturally, those kids had more money and everything. Were there was there anything you remember that the kids who had a little more money? Do you remember wanting certain things that they had? Anything in particular? No, at Christmas time, and that they bring the nuns presents. Yeah, which we couldn't afford. Right. You know, mm -hmm. it's not like that, but. Uh, they never had any anything that I wanted. Mm -hmm. I was happy. Right. You know. And since my dad worked on the truck, he, he would deliver stuff to wealthier families and whatever they threw in his in the trash, like dad would bring home maybe a toaster they threw away. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have a toaster. Or uh, maybe a tricycle. And it still worked. Mm -hmm. 
and I remember my dad bringing home the tricycle out of, out of the dump that they threw away mm-hmm. and uh, things like that. So we never really uh, wanted. So going back to your neighborhood a little bit. So for our audience, Belleville, where my grandma grew up today, has a population of about 40,000. And back then, do you have any guess of what the population was? In Belleville, at that time, probably around 25,000. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, it's a... Well, Scott Field was out there. Right, yeah. In your neighborhood, what was the house like that you grew up in? The house? Mm-hmm. It's still standing there, very nice. And uh, it's uh, the people that bought it. Since my band, I died. Keep it very well. What street is that on? 22nd Street, South 22nd Street. I'm sure my mom has driven me by it. I feel I should visit that again, I'm sure. Yeah, and we were all born and raised in it, except my youngest sister. Mm-hmm. She was born in the hospital because my, my grandma was found dead in her bed. And so grand, my grandpa thought she was sleeping. And my mother had told me to go get grandma to help her wash and... Uh, when I went over there, my grandpa said, no, she's sleeping. This was happening while your mom was about to give birth. Yeah. Gosh, so they had to my mom to the hospital. Yeah. My youngest sister was born. Yeah. Jeez, that's a lot to happen at once. Your grandma dying and Mickey, Mickey, right? So the younger one being born. How did, let's see, so that was your mom's mom or your dad's mom that had died? My mother's mother. Man, so how did she, how did she process that, her child being born and then her? Well, it wasn't. It was just that they had played cards the night before. Uh-huh. And then the next morning, uh, or with my mother being pregnant, my grandma always helped her with the mm-hmm. wash. Yeah. And when I went over to get her, my grandpa said, no, she's sleeping. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, by that, then I went home and told my mom. And when she came outside, she knew something was wrong because grandpa was, grandpa was walking up and down the, the mm-hmm. porch. Yeah. And so my mother went into labor. Uh-huh. And so she went to the hospital. The ambulance was called. They took my mother to the hospital, and that's when... Hmm. My younger sister, Virginia, was born. Um, so I'm sure your mom must have something of a hard time with that, having the experience of giving birth, but then losing your mom at the same time. Jeez. And I meant your <laughs> grandma was, how old was your grandma when she died? 63. Hmm. Just a kid. <laughs> I see my mother was only 60. Right. Um, the house where you lived in, did you, I know you didn't have your own bedroom. How, how many bedrooms did you have in your house? It had two bedrooms, a living room, a dining room, 
and a bath. And upstairs that later my dad and my brother made steps to go up and then that had a, they put a floor in and then the two rooms were put up there but they didn't have any walls and so it was kind of hot. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. But, uh, Gosh. Four girls and two boys are kind of time that the bedroom had to be divided. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Who did you share a bedroom with? My three sisters. <laughs> Gosh, that's incredible. Uh, we, we all moved up to the attic, and my brothers were in the other room. Mm-hmm. But uh, my brother went to, into the service, and my oldest sister got married, and four mm-hmm. of them went to service. So. What do you remember about the different chores that you had growing up? Well, we'd have to, when we came home from school, on a Monday we had an iron. And uh, on on Saturdays and that, we'd have to uh, clean the living room and the dining room and the bedrooms, change the bedding and do the dusting and vacuuming. Would you say that your mom was a super clean person or averagely clean? Well, I would say average because she made sure the house was always clean. Mm-hmm. But the floors got scrubbed once a week. Yeah. And uh, the house got uh, vacuumed every week and dusted. And on Saturdays, we'd have to clean the bathroom, the tubs and the toilets and do you remember any friends coming over, either your parents' friends or your friends? Well, yeah, Mom had uh, friends that lived across the alley, and Dad and uh, Mom and the friends across the they play cards every week, mm-hmm. you know. And what kind, what was your, your social life like? What kind of game, where did you usually play? Um, what kind of games did you like to play? What was your entertainment like during this time well, period? Age, right, yeah, we're we're talking eight, eight to fifteen or so. Uh, well, we played marbles and we played baseball and uh, hopscotch. But when I got a little older, we my friends lived across the alley. Then they moved in. And we go to the CYO baseball games mm-hmm. at Southside Park. And actually, as I got older, my environment changed. Yeah. You know. Different interests. But uh, you'd always go to the CYO baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you see... So we've pretty well established that you didn't necessarily have many material things, but you guys had a pretty happy, uh, you were pretty content with what you had, right? right? So we were, we were a very happy family. When you see kids today with so much more material things than you could possibly imagine, what are, what are some thoughts that you have? Kids are small brats. <laughs> They have too much stuff. Mm-hmm. They uh, 
you should learn to do without a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's our farm nowadays. Yeah. I could hear your grandfather, my husband, Jesse, uh, he died about seven years ago. And I can just hear him when he sees how the kids are growing up now. Those kids nowadays, I can just hear him say that. I think I say it for him now. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I can still see him sitting over that corner and saying, those kids nowadays, even the older ones, they have a job and then they quit it. They go mm -hmm. to another job. And I ask, well, why did he do that? Well, he just said they wanted a change. Mm -hmm. And like I say, those kids are nowadays. Yeah. That's me. I'm a statistic in that in that example. <laughs> Somewhat. Um we didn't talk about birthdays and holidays growing up. What were those like during this time period? When I was growing up. Yeah, eight, eight to fifteen. Well, each member of my family had our own kind of cake. Like every birthday my my cake was baked strawberry shortcake, which I get nowadays a lot of my And my uh, oldest sister hers was banana. And my other sister was chocolate. And uh I don't remember what my youngest sister was. Mm -hmm. And uh, my one brother, he, he liked chocolate too. Was ice cream ever something you got to eat? We would get ice cream now and then. The ice cream man would go through the, the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And we used to be able to get an ice cream cone mm -hmm. now and then. Mm. You know. Holiday, Christmas, Thanksgiving, anything you remember about that in particular? Well, we always had a nice Christmas. Uh, when we were so young, we always thought Santa Claus brought uh, the tree and everything. You remember what age you stopped believing in Santa Claus? Oh, boy. <laughs> I would say six, maybe. Six? That's definitely younger than me. I was eight, eight and a half. See, Sorry. <laughs> it's so hard to remember this. We, we used to, well, our, our dining room and living room were connected. So therefore, the tree was put up and we were not allowed. Mm -hmm. And we'd stick our nose by the keyhole and we'd say, oh, we, we smell it. We smell the wine. We Right, yeah. But uh, we were young, even though at Christmas time, uh, we always got something. Mm -hmm. Dolls or, uh, doll, I remember a doll buggy and roller skates and stuff like that. Do you remember a favorite toy of yours growing up? A doll buggy. A doll buggy, yeah. Um, do you, did your older siblings work at all while they still lived at home to help provide income? Well, after they got out of high school, um, my oldest sister got a job at the brewery uh, as a telephone operator. 
she worked over at the brewery. And my, uh, my brother got a job at the brewery. And uh, my bro other brother worked, helped my dad on the coal and ice, big little coal and ice. And then when the Thelma got out of high school, she got a good civil service job out at Scottsdale. And uh, but when I got out of high school, I uh, worked out at the Shrine of Our Lady of Snow. And what did you do at the Shrine? Piping, fire laden. Mm-hmm. And this would be a topic for another episode, but Aunt Thelma slash Aunt Duffy, as we call her, she went on to work for the CIA, right? Well, she worked for the government. I don't know if it was CIA, but I go and uh, she'd get put on a job that was secret. They'd come around in the neighborhood and ask the neighbors mm -hmm. if they knew anything about her. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll have to clarify that detail with my mom then. I always heard CIA, but... <laughs> yeah. I, don't even I don't even think we heard of the CIA. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she is buried at Arlington, which is a pretty big deal, for That's sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Our speech for this episode is FDR's first fireside chat, which was on the radio. And we talked a little bit about this on the phone. You don't re because you're you're obviously aware, but you're still a kid. You don't remember his fireside chats when they were happening. No, right. I just know they happened, and uh, I don't know anything about them. Mm -hmm. I was too young at that time. So, obviously, your mom voted for Roosevelt the first two times. Do you remember your dad's politics? Well, yeah. He, he would vote for the Democrats, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, well, those days, the Democrats were the best party to vote for. Why do you say that? Well, they really did the most for the people, mm -hmm. you know. Like I said, my mother worked every election because uh, she'd pick up people and uh, the person she worked with had the car and they'd take the people to the election poll so they could vote. Mm -hmm. So obviously you missed being old enough to vote for Roosevelt, but do you remember who you voted for in your first time you voted? <laughs> what election that was? Let's see. Well, my first election I voted for. I guess it would have been the one after Roosevelt's third term. Yeah, I guess that sounds about right. And Truman. Yeah, Truman did. Well, obviously he went in because of he was vice president, but then he did run again on his own after. Truman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, obviously oh, yeah. he did. Yeah. Yeah, some Truman would have been your first election, I guess. Um, so this is a little bit outside of uh, the scope of this particular podcast, but we'll we'll record some of this just because it's good good to record. And we talked about this recently, but obviously after Pearl Harbor, the war begins to take place, and that's obviously how you met Grandpa. How did you? And again, I know this, of course, but how did you meet Grandpa? 
I had just got finished working at the dime store. And, we, and two of my friends and I, we came out the door and these three GIs came along and they uh, start talking to us and they walked with us and we talked and got acquainted. And then uh, finally I said, well, I gotta go home. And uh, so that was the end of that. And then the following week when I came out of work, there were these two GIs and one was just a local. And uh, he, he said, well, you girls like to go to the ice cream parlor. We said, okay. So then uh, when we start talking to that, Jesse said, well, I don't remember you being with the girls before. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, I was. And he said, could I have your phone number? And I thought, well, He's pretty nice guy. <laughs> so I gave him my phone number. He was pretty I, nice, but was he good looking as well? <laughs> oh, I know. I know he is for our audience. <laughs> so from then on, every week. Mm -hmm. And Grandpa obviously was not from Belleville. Where was Grandpa from? Rape Station. What they called Rape Station. Oh, you're, you're my husband? Yeah. Oh. He was from Texas. Rave Station. What was that referring to, though? Well, that was my dad. Oh, okay. But gotcha. My husband, Jesse, was from Texas, Victoria, Texas. Near San Antonio. Right. So you guys say, what sort of things did you guys do on dates? Go to the show. The Lincoln Theater, right? Yeah. Is that what you mean, show? Yeah. And then we'd come out of there and go to... Sutton's ice cream parlor and have an ice cream cone and then we'd go home, catch the bus up at the square. <laughs> um, and he lived like he lived on Scott Air Force Base, right? Well, he was a, a GI. Well, yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, and how long was he at Scott before? So now I obviously, I'm sure you remember me interviewing Grandpa on this when I was a senior in high school. Yeah. Do you remember that? So I know he was at, obviously, Scott. He was at Foster Air Force Base in uh, Texas doing training as well, right? Well, yes, before he got out of Scott, he was uh, at Foster, and uh, they would train these boys for flyers. And so when after they graduated from there, and your grandpa had high grades and everything, but then they decided they didn't need them anymore. Right. So then they gave them their choice. Or do you want to go to radio school or what? So uh, Jesse took radio school, and that's how he got out of Scottfield. Right. I remember him saying that Morse code was fairly easy to send out, but it was very difficult to interpret. You remember him saying that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when, um, so when you were raising kids, I'm sure you thought about, and from, let's see, Aunt Petey was born in 1951. Who? Aunt Petey? 1950. 1950. So, yeah, raising kids from 1950 through present day, you're still raising your four daughters. <laughs> <laughs> Did you. 
think much about how different their childhood was from yours and the things they had? No, because I made love with their clothes. Oh, yeah. They went to the same school I went to. That's right, yeah. And um, everything was pretty well, but only I didn't wear no uniforms. We didn't have no uniforms. Hmm. Like they did later on. How many different outfits did you get to have when you were growing up for school? One mother made us each two dresses. Mm-hmm. So the ones get washed than ours, we had the other one. <laughs> okay, so you're saying that my mom's childhood is pretty similar to yours since you made their clothes and same school. Um and you obviously only had one car. So you only had one car when you were raising kids. And then when you were a kid, you guys must have only had one car, right? When I was a kid? Yeah. We didn't have a car. During the Depression, or before that, my dad and mom owned a car. And then when the Depression came, they could not afford the car. Oh, huh. So the car was put in the garage. And there it was, and run it. Really? Huh. So us kids would go play in it and fight the boss because the boss was really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, there it sat in the garage, you know. And it just eventually got towed away, or I guess I don't remember. I huh. just remember there, and then um, in nineteen forties, uh, I guess. We, um, some friends told my mom, oh, he worked for the Ford company, and he said, Mrs. Wild, there's a good car coming in. Uh, it'd be a good buy for you. And so my mom and dad bought that Ford. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, was, it was almost brand new, and an elderly lady owned it, and uh, she hardly drove it any. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Uncle Warner was still home and he'd always wash it and put <laughs> paint at the wires so that the tires so they looked like white walls. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Uncle Warner got drafted. And then my dad started driving again. And when did you say you bought that they bought that car? Around nineteen forty, I think. Yeah. Huh. You're doing, you're, you've done great. You've done great. I'm trying to think if there's any other specific questions that I'd like to ask you. See, this is good too, like not just for this podcast, but like for your great great grandkids. They might want to listen to this someday, or your great 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 grandkids. <laughs> no, I could he traveled around the world with uh, President Hoover. Yeah, Grandpa did. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what what was life like uh, when Grandpa was... Well, yeah, let's kind of come back to that a little bit. So he was at Scott. He, was, he did participate in the World Food Survey, as it's called, with President Hoover, like you were talking about there. What other jobs did Grandpa have during the war? He was just a radio operator. Right, yeah. That was all, and uh, 
give it a travel to the different countries. Yes, when he was at Scott, like he wasn't training anymore, right? So, well, he was always a radio operator. So when he was at Scott, I mean, he was, yeah, he was operating the radios, but like what was his nine to five, if you will, there? Does that make this sense? Radio operator, and then he got transferred to Cuba, uh, Arizona. Okay, yeah. And uh, he was still on radio. Mm hmm. And um, that's when he would be picked to go to, to uh, Newfoundland mm -hmm. and countries. Uh, yeah. For radio operating, and he'd come back to Yuma, Arizona. And when he was radio operating, he was always on the plane radio operating or yeah. sometimes? Yeah. I guess what I was trying to ask is what kinds of like missions were these planes going on that he was on when he was like at Scott or at Yuma? At Yuma? Just in different countries. I don't know well, what they, they would do just to no. see what was what. Yeah. <laughs> and he'd come back and, mm -hmm. and uh, he got transferred to... Uh, I don't know where he went then. Well, then uh, he got discharged. And, and what year was Grandpa discharged? Probably 43. Because um, we got married in 44. Really? I thought it was more like 47. Wait a minute. 46. <laughs> 46. We got married in 46. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he got discharged at uh, 45. And he stayed at home in Texas and they remodeled his parents' home. Mm -hmm. So then, then, he, then he came to Belleville and we made arrangements in 46 to get married. And you were... Um, you were a little bit nervous or uncertain whether he'd want to, you'd be, end up moving to Texas or whether he'd want to stay up in Belleville. Well, I really didn't care. Mm -hmm. I just took for granted we were moving to Texas. Right. But, uh, when we got engaged, my mother said, well, Audrey, you know, you're going to have to live in Texas. And, uh, just said, oh, no. He said, uh, we're not living in Texas. Mm -hmm. So that's when uh, we came back to Belleville. And uh, the number one reason he didn't want to live in Texas was because of racism towards Hispanics, right? It had problems. Mm -hmm. And uh, I never really paid much attention to that. He would tell me if we had children, they might have a hard time. Mm -hmm. Living in Texas, and uh, I really didn't pay that much attention to that. Mm -hmm. But uh, he didn't want to live in Texas. So you said you didn't care whether you live in Belleville or fifteen hundred miles away. So <laughs> I'm a little bit intrigued by that. I mean, that's a significant difference in. 
the path of your life, being in the same area where you grew up versus being in Texas? Well, when he came back and we got married, he went to school at St. Rose University on the GI Bill. And uh, he went to school. And then when he got out of there, he was looking for a job. And uh, he would pick up odd jobs, sell magazines or something. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he got a job at the phone company, which was really good. I mean, yeah. It got advances, and he did very good there. Mm-hmm. And he ended up as a supervisor. Yep. Old company. That's his career. Yep. Well, that was good, Grandma. I'm sure you're probably a little bit pooped after uh, chatting nonstop for 2,700 no, seconds. You'll probably think that could... <laughs> After I finished talking to you, I think, oh, I should have told him this. I should have told him that. What's one thing that you're thinking of, like, oh, I wish I would have added that? Mm-hmm. Well, right now, I can't. <laughs> right <now, laughs> okay. When I talked to you, I thought, oh, I ought to put down the note about our, our shoes having holes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. That's a great little it's detail there. One other thing, sort of on point. So, the Fireside Chat's famous for being on the radio. Do you remember listening to anything in particular on the radio when you were growing up? About the election? Yeah. No, just just anything on the radio. So mystery stories, and they say only the shadow knows. <laughs> but otherwise. Uh, was that the name of the show, Only the Shadow Knows, or it's something they would say well, it was often? A mystery story. Yeah. And the uh, detective, you never saw it except the shadow. So when something happened, they'd say, Only the Shadow Knows. <laughs> and even my mother would watch it. Really? Do you remember? I watch it, I mean, it yeah. Like, would your whole family gather around at the radio or? My dad usually was in a corner sleeping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Arnold and Kenny would be out with friends. Mm-hmm. So it didn't sound like you guys would crowd around the radio and listen to things. It wasn't a major part of your life growing yeah. up. Yeah. What was it like when you got, I guess you got your first TV with Grandpa. Our first TV was, um, I think... Uh, Aunt Leova and uh, Leroy, I think, when he left for service, mm-hmm. it was just a small TV, and uh, we got it, and that was our first TV. <laughs> so, do you remember anything in particular that you liked watching, or? Mom would, my mother would watch uh, the Lady in White. It'd be about the nurse story and. Betty Crocker mm-hmm. and stuff, but there was nothing either. I didn't have time. Mm-hmm. I would come home from school, and uh, if I had a part-time job at the dime store the one time, 
then I would catch a bus and go to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Different topic, but we, we've, I remember you saying something about this once, but um, so obviously Belleville is not exactly the South. To what extent, was there any segregated restaurants or anything like that when you were growing up? We never really paid attention to that kind of stuff, Mike. We, uh, we went to your restaurant, and the blacks never did bother about going in. Mm-hmm. You know, they colored in, uh, in school. I went to school at St. Mary's, and there was a couple of them in there. Mm-hmm. And when I went to high school, there were a couple of blacks, and they were... Just included in everything. Yeah. Hmm. On, the foot, on the basketball girls team and the hockey. You never heard of people being the, against them. Really? There hmm. was, just wasn't nothing like that. on people's people minds. With you. Yeah. Hmm. Well, again. That was great. Let me see if there's anything. I guess, oh, I wanted to ask, when the war ended, I mean, the U.S. had been in World War II for four years about. I mean, what sort of things were on your mind when the war ended? We were happy. <laughs> yeah. On the room floor, listening to the radio, and they said that the war ended. Mm-hmm. And we were all real happy about it. When the atomic bombs were dropped, I mean, what, what do you remember thinking anything about those? Well, it was scary. Uh-huh. But uh, I guess we just didn't, uh, it was going to end the war. Mm-hmm. That's all we thought about. Yeah. You know, it, it ended the war. And Grandpa went to... Hiroshima after the fact, right? That was part of his World Food Survey and saw just the telegraph poles and everything else dissolved, right? I don't know what Grandpa also. He went to different countries. Yeah. But he went to the, first he went to Europe and he went to Germany and uh, India, China, and all them when he came back. Then uh, he said, well, we're going to the Pacific. And then they went to uh, the Philippines and all these. How long was that trip around the world that you took? I'd say it took a month. Oh, really? I always imagine it being longer, but yeah. Well, and then uh, when it was all done with, uh, Pudro had a big dinner for him in uh, Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had a big dinner. And uh, we each got a bracelet given to him with his signature on. Right. And the certificate for all the different countries they went to. Mm -hmm. So I got all that. So where it goes after I'm dead and gone, I don't know. (laughs) Sure, the girls have already made uh, sign-ups. So... (laughs) Okay, good. Those are all my thoughts. Question: Do you have anything else? Well, I 
like I said, we can definitely do this again too and just keep so like I said, we can do this again too for just different different topics that you might want to record for for posterity. Well, I'd like to know what this is. Uh, no, you seem to know about it. I don't know. Uh, it belong to an organization. <laughs> the podcast, you mean? That I'm talking about, or what? Like this? Yeah. So this. Um, the podcast is called The Speech Guys. So with this radio show that's on the internet, anyone can do it. Like you could make your own podcast. <laughs> because it's it's sort of like if someone publishes a book, right? They have to go to a publishing company. Right? Well, yeah, of course. You can't just publish. Unless you have your own printing press, you can't make your own book. But with the internet, anyone can put anything on the internet, which is part of what makes it so dangerous in many ways. Regardless, so we record ourselves talking about different things. So some other podcasts that exist that I listen to... Um, So one podcast I listen to is called The Word on Fire Show. So that's like a religious podcast. There's one called The Nugget Climbing Podcast, where they talk about climbing. There's one called Unexplained. Yeah. One called Unexplained Mysteries, where it's like supernatural type stuff. So it, it's, it's anything. It's just like something that's on TV, except only audio, obviously. Now you belong to an organization. Well, it's me and three other friends that do this. It's, it's not, not an organization. Yeah. I see. We, we used to like history and thinking about things in the past and stuff like that. Oh. Little he seemed to know all about it. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> he must have listened to it. There's one episode we did on JFK's speech, We Choose to Go to the Moon. So I don't know, maybe he must have listened to that one. And <laughs> so, sounds like it. <laughs> he, when I was saying about it, he seemed to know all about it. Okay, well, dang, I'm flattered then. No. <laughs> He's a good kid. Mm -hmm. I hope he stays. Depends. 